surface Alrighty, it's time for another Root Issues Podcast. I'm Chris, and I'm in the booth today with Luke. What's up? And Steve. I'm here. Awesome. We are still jumping in to Lessons from the Kings, Understanding Freedom and Our Responsibility. And wow, we are just building and building and building as Steve keeps going from one Sunday to the next. And today's title would kind of be like, you know, there could be like 30 different titles. That's true. But we're going to be focusing on are we, how are we honoring the household of God? And so we're talking about the church. We're talking about the body of believers. We're talking about those who gather. How do we come to church? How do we see church? And what is the role in our own personal lives with our families, with our own prayer life, with our own spiritual walk, with our own relationship with God? And how does that affect the larger body, which then affects the larger of everything? And when I say everything, I'm like, Politics, government, cities, counties, towns, neighborhoods. How does the local church affect that? But yet the local church can't be affected by that until we, the individual, say, I got my stuff together with God. I'm growing in my relationship with him, and I'm pouring in my gifts, my spirits, my desires, my time to the church so that it may be a larger impact. Yeah. I think people misinterpret um we were talking about this before, but just the, the relationship with Christ and how that should look like. A lot of people are just like, oh, yeah, it's just me and Jesus, and we're good. Yeah. I don't need anyone else. It's just, you know, our relationship. Um, I can keep it to, to myself. Um, whereas, you know, I always go back to this, but like in Genesis, mm-hmm. the household is established, man and woman, communing with God, and then, you know, the family, and it grows into a community in the body of Christ. Yeah. Um, and I love what you said uh, in the beginning of the sermon. His hope is that we dwell with him. Mm-hmm. But not just ourselves isolated, but as a household. Yeah, so I think great. that's a great way. As the church, you know, the church. household is a yeah. very beautiful way to look at it. Yeah, and that's you know, and that's what we see. I think the most people we've never, we didn't grow up usually in the church getting the whole history, salvation history from the very beginning, as you're saying, Luke. God's heart for His household, and and which moves to the Old Testament in the putting it on David's heart to build the mm-hmm. temple, and having Solomon build the temple, and all the history of the temple, right? The household of God, you know, moving to exile, the destruction, the reconstruction of the temple, and then the coming of the Messiah, the Lamb, the change, this radical change of the temple now being our, God's movement more and more intimately with us, revealing through the whole Bible and history more and more of who he is. Mm-hmm. The Father was revealed, New Testament Jesus was revealed, the Holy Spirit poured out at Pentecost, the fullness yeah. of God. And now that we have that right inside our, our soul, and uh, in the church, the household of God, right, is, is, is the product, right? It's the mm-hmm. last peace before Jesus returns. Mm-hmm. It is the last expression of uh, God's um, uh, family. Right yeah. and, and is to be the expression of his kingdom, right, until uh, Jesus returns and to bring his kingdom right yeah, to totally. this earth. Yeah. Now, for those people that do understand the household, I think that's you can understand that. But then understanding the mission or, like, the plan for the household is a whole other category. I'm not sure if we want to dive into that right away, but that's always interesting to talk about because I think so many people just come to church to fill themselves up, to recharge themselves. But is that really... Yeah. The plan for the household is to yeah. just build each other up, or is it to build to like overflow the rest of 
Yeah, and I think you bring up a great point, Luke. I think we get stuck sometimes, just and and that's part of our culture, which is just about me, right? What can this do for me? And and that's a great that maybe that's where things start. Mm-hmm. But salvation, right? Jesus calls us to then move us into joining Him in His purpose, yeah. and that's the household that moves us from salvation, right? This identity change, the new creation should move. Now the next thing is into mission, right? And, yeah. Um, Boy, sometimes we get stuck in between, or we try to jump out to mission before we really laid that foundation of who we are, not just as individuals, a follower of Jesus, but as the church body itself. Right? Totally. And I mean, when we look at it, you know, like you've been breaking it down into different lessons, and so we got all the way through lesson six last week, and then this week we jump into lesson seven, which is going to kind of build as we move, but we're just going to give it the statement. It says, people after the heart of God desire to enjoy the presence of God and work to build the household of God, where heaven and earth come together. And I mean, that's like a bold statement, like, you know, like if I don't have myself together, I can go to the house of God and gather around others who are maybe further along than me that will encourage me, aid me, and grow me, and show me how to go into that deeper relationship with God so that I can then be a part of it. And it's like the desire is to know God. And so I'm going to go to his church. I'm going to go and be around other believers, you know. And so I think, you know, when we look at that, it's like, you know, that first step is like, first question is, does your heart desire God? Yeah. You know? Yeah, and again, David yeah. is our example, right? Yes. The man after God's own heart. Uh, if your heart is after God, your heart is going to grow in zeal for the household of yep. God. And uh, and that's where we've today, there's so much confusion that you can have this little personal salvation with Jesus over here and not develop, right, a, mm-hmm. a, a heart for the church. Even a zeal, right, yeah. for, because that's what um, Psalm 69, uh, David sure I have zeal, it's consumed yeah. me for, for God's house. Jesus quoted that right when yeah. he cleaned out the temple. Uh, and so there, there should be this, this growing, a, a part of our maturity in Christ will be a, a growing in our love and uh, desire for his household yeah and being part of it so luke explain that to us like steve works here i work here we obviously have a zeal for the church it's it's in our vocation you know and then i've always said like well even if i lost my job you could still be here but you bring up a really good point that's the problem that's going on today we have a lot of people in vocational ministry building church building an institution building a platform building a framework what framework a framework right uh, but are they building for themselves and man and the accolades and the yeah. power and the fame? Well, you know, go down the list. Or are they genuinely building the household? The What's the zeal for, yeah. right? And obviously, with all the trauma we're seeing and all the fallout, we're seeing a lot of building is being yeah. done, and God's cleaning it out. And today. the foundation just wasn't good, right? Exactly. So yeah. So like when you think about church, when you think about coming to the church, I mean, what brings you here? Yeah, I think. <clears throat> I've I've been to a lot of different churches, obviously this one for the majority of it. Yeah. But you can tell in some churches, there's like, I, think, I guess you can break it down two main goals. One goal is, okay, how do we get people to heaven? Mm-hmm. And another church, the one that, you know, I think is more, way more important is how do we bring heaven down to earth? That's mm-hmm. the main mission. And I, there's those, you know, overlap with yeah. each other, obviously, but just asking someone or like listening to someone talk about their faith mm-hmm. and having like, you can eat pretty quickly see if someone's just believing 
to be saved, kind of use you guys' insurance, yes. you know, or if someone's believing it because they do have such a zeal, such a love for it that they want mm-hmm. to share it with the people around them, um, not just to get them to heaven, but to have heaven literally come down to earth, yeah. starting from their heart. So, yeah, that's excellent. I, yeah, I, I think that's uh, beautiful. Uh, yeah. You know that because at least I grew up right in a very uh, Baptist, Southern Baptist, but also the last several decades, most of the churches has been in this revivalistic idea of come say the prayer right, and the whole question of evangelism has been, hey, how can you get to heaven, or where are you yeah. going to go when you die, and and that's. An important question, but that's not really the question. The question which we see David and Solomon repeat yeah. over and over again is, how can man dwell with God? Yeah. Right? How can I get the Ark of the Covenant right with me? How can I build a God? How can your presence exist with me, whether it's Mount Sinai with Moses yeah. or uh, the temple? Because uh, that's a whole different examination. Right? Yeah. How can I, how can a holy God uh, right, dwell with me, mm-hmm. right, and with my sin. and Because uh, that requires me to think about the goodness of God. It requires mm-hmm. me to think about my own sin, my own uh, yeah. uh, lack of holiness and righteousness. And the need, obviously, where that should take us is to the great need of a Savior, right? Yeah, totally. No, that's, Rather than just punching yeah. the ticket in the prayer, oh, I'm in heaven yeah. now. I pray I'm in heaven, pray. Oh, so now did it go me. do what I do. Exactly. Yeah, and I mean, like, so that takes us into lesson eight. Okay, which says God's plan is always bigger and better than we can perceive. And Satan and the world are at war against the household of God and his plan. I'm like, those are some massive statements to put a period in and then put them in the same kind of context because you're like covering so much ground. But um, I, I think that so many people like they have their plan and they think that's the plan. You know, but they don't trust that God's plan is bigger and better, not just for them, but for his church, for the world, for everything that's going on around us. If we would just tune into God's plan, as David and Solomon were seeking and say, like, how do we dwell with God while we're here? Jesus will return. The thief is ruling and has authority and power, but God still is sovereign. So in this time, how do we dwell with god that's the that's the question that's not being asked as you were saying you know as you took us into this series like all all the world's looking for a king and they don't want god right they want that physical king and so and then you know just the war that is being waged like i think sometimes people look at things that are like not going so well and then they attribute it to well why won't god do something Instead of why won't we do something and why won't we move that God didn't start it, didn't do it. It's a war that's being waged and then we claim no responsibility because we want to chunk it on God and then question his goodness. Yeah, it's yeah. I think you said something along, along the lines of what reality is your soul mm-hmm. living in, in the yeah. sense of like, you know, are, are we bold enough? Because <clears throat> I think everyone knows there's something, the spiritual realm is there. Yeah. But so many are hesitant to even think about or get look into it because it changes uh-huh. everything. Because um, it is a battlefield out there. And if your soul is just living in the everyday, the waking up, doing your job, yeah. or is it living in the literal battleground of you know the spiritual world? Mm-hmm. And that's two different lifestyles in a sense. Yeah, it's two different realities, two different lifestyles. And I mean, the way you just said, you know, in that question, because I wrote that one down too, like, you know, which reality are we living in? Like, you know, there is a choice, you know. And the next point you brought up, I think, was praying out loud. Yeah, praying out loud, yeah. 
Um, because I've, I've, I've heard people say, you should pray silently because if you pray out loud, the devil can hear you. And I'm like, <laughs> do you know who you're praying to? I mean, I don't know. Like, right. I think, I mean, those people probably are living in the world of maybe overcompensating the spiritual world of like maybe looking into it too deeply of like, mm-hmm. okay, saying maybe you can listen to me if I do this and this and almost making more of a ritualistic, I don't know, mm-hmm. set, space. But yeah, just the power of praying out loud. Yeah. And it's huge. just Western culture, you know, taking over. And that it's culture. amazing. I still, it's amazing the number of people, right, who have never prayed out loud. Yeah, right. And for them in a discipleship group or Bible study, whatever, yeah. to to pray for the first time out loud, it's a step of faith. There's something released, right? It's, oh, absolutely. You know, we can't just be baptized in our brain. Oh, I, I picture myself <laughs> being united with Jesus. No, there, there's a physical step of faith yeah. required. <laughs> And there's something, again, the logos, the word of God is spoken, right? Yeah. Always the power of that. Um, so, uh, yeah, that's something, again, that just exposes our Western culture, right? That's yeah. taught us to be very stoic and keep it to yourself. Religion um, is yours, not, you know. Yeah. Well, I mean, you so, know, it's kind of like religion and politics, the two things you're not allowed to talk about. All right. Exactly. You know, and so that's so within that. And so then if you like pray out loud or if you even, you know, acknowledge that you pray a lot, well, then you're talking religion and politics and, and you're mixing it all up. And so yeah. it's just so not right. Like, I mean, I know like, you know, you were talking about like, you know, people let's pray. And so then the entire room burst into prayer that is out loud, yeah. you know, because we've been doing that like with middle school leaders and different places like that just – and we even did it at main camp because I was just like, you know, well, this is the biblical way, but not saying that there's a formula to prayer, sure. but that we have to experience everything right. within prayer. You know, like if, I mean, I typically journal a lot of my prayers and just spend time journaling to God, you know, but I still pray out loud and then I still st- pray in my head and, you know, and right. so, you know, it's kind of the mix, but it is amazing when you think about like, you know, like, hey, we pray for our teaching time, you know, like we... As middle school leaders, we're not allowed to pray because we know we can pray out loud. We, we've done it before. And so it's always like, hey, will you pray for our food tonight? Hey, will you pray for our teaching time? Hey, will you pray for our small group time? Hey, will you pray that the grass grows? I mean, we're just praying, and we're calling on kids. Yeah. And then if they, they're like, I don't know what to do, like, hey, right. just repeat after me. So we kind of take that thing down, yeah. you That's know. True. But, yeah. like, yes, praying out loud, even in your closet at home. Sure. You know, and it reveals the expectation too, because like, you know, it could be the situation with people that maybe aren't believers Mm -hmm. and you can pray in your head, right? But praying it out loud, letting the other people know that you've prayed for this situation, they're expecting a change. Yes. You know, it's a step of faith that reveals, you know, where, where your faith is at, maybe Mm -hmm. even saying that prayer. So no, like praying for healing for my kids when they're sick or injured or something, you know, like the thief always shows up and be like, what if he doesn't show up? Like that's going to damage their faith. And you're like, duh get away like i'm gonna pray in faith because my belief is in him not in you not in my abilities but in him and then i'm gonna let him do what he does and he's gonna manage their faith through their expectations you know and so it's like you know always he shows up and he's like but what if you're like oh stop it stop it you know better (laughs) better better all right lesson nine Okay, because this is the one that calls us to responsibility. This is the one that calls us, are we his people? Yeah. And so lesson lesson nine, if my people who are called by my name humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and I will forgive their sin and heal their land. Second Chronicles 7.14. 
So what are we going to do with this? Yeah, I mean, this is God, right? This yeah. is God to Solomon after Solomon <clears throat> had uh, uh, dedicated the temple uh, and uh, we, you know, put the sacrifice. God came and, aff- and affirmed that, right, with the power of His of, of the fire coming down, and consuming uh, the offering on the altar, yep. right? Um, and, and and so David or God through chapter seven just has this communication with Saul, yeah, or Saul, excuse me, Solomon, yeah, about the future, what the, it, to stay faithful and when bad things happen, yeah, right. Just the verses before this says God says, "Hey, when I bring the locusts, when I bring the pestilence, you know, when bad things happen." And in that context, it, you have to wrestle with it's God, yeah. right, who has allowed yeah. these things or specifically brought them, right, for discipline's sake, um, to wake up. A nation, a people, whatever yeah. it is, uh, that he says, man, if my household, right, this is to the household of God. So today it's the church, right? When rather than getting all wrapped up with all the things going on in our world, yeah. well, are we, is the household unified and are we doing the first priorities yeah. of this, right? If my people who are called by my name, right, will humble themselves. So maybe we just start there. Humble. Um, what does it mean, right, to humble ourselves? Uh, Can I just jump in there because I'm like, going to explode? Yeah. <laughs> okay, so the whole humility thing, you know, and then I almost put it under a bad raft when you say it that way, like the whole humility thing, like really, Steve? No, but I'm like, isn't there a sense of humbleness when we can say, I don't know? Because I feel like, you know, if – if we're called to pray, we, we, we still get in our little division camps. Like, well, I don't really think God would ever do that to our nation, so this isn't from him, so I don't know what I should pray. And then you have others who are like, this is probably God trying to wake us up so that we come. But we can't get humble enough to say we don't – maybe we don't solidly know. And so we need to dump our opinions and just say, let's pray. And, brother, you may pray, dear Lord, remove this from our land. We mm-hmm. repent. We come to you, waken the nation with a revival. Mm-hmm. And someone else may pray, I bind the thief. He is no longer allowed mm-hmm. to operate here in this region, and we, we bind his lives. You know? And then that can create division. But, like, if we just come with humility and say, hey, we don't know, yeah. but we know something ain't right, yeah. and we need God to move. And so we well, come with humility to pray. It, I, I think it's great. Uh, go deeper, though, right? Yeah. Is but when things are happening, before we address right all uh-huh. these things out there, we should first and always be addressing: Are we right with God ourselves? Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. Are we holy? Are we yes. a sanctified people? Are we right, faithfully worshiping God? Uh, uh-huh. And and to get as such the household clean? Are we are we in a position to yeah. come before God? His ears are open to the righteous; they are closed to the wicked. Right? Yeah. They're closed to the ones who've. Uh, out of union. This is yeah. even believers who are out of union with him because they're not willing to humble themselves and come under the conviction of the Spirit of God, right, first. And so then, yeah, you can just apply humility there. Like, we got to ask the question, are we right? And are we right with our church? Are we right with our body? Absolutely. Yeah. Before, right yeah. with God. Right. As Before God individually, but also yeah. as the household, right? Uh-huh. Is the household uh, right before God, right? Yep. Yeah. And that is, you know, I think why, you know, Pride Month is so hard for Christians is it's the, it's the opposite of humility. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We're celebrating right. pride. Like, that's the opposite of what we're supposed to be doing. We're supposed mm-hmm. to be celebrating, mm-hmm. not, I don't know about celebrating, but just pursuing humility. Yeah. And, I mean, I, I guess the fall almost, you know, it's, it's the starting point for all the other sins is pride. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so <laughs> I think that's part of how Solomon, you know, fell as well. And it's one of my biggest worries because, you know, I look at Solomon, I'm like, 
Okay, he was the wisest man in the world. I see a lot of parallels between him and my life, just, you know, blessings and all this mm-hmm. stuff. Yeah. And, and I ask for wisdom, and I know a lot of decisions I've made aren't from my own understanding, but because I've asked uh-huh. for God's understanding and will. But just that, you know, that fear of, like, it could still go terribly wrong. <laughs> <laughs> you got to walk the line. Yeah. You know, because, but I mean, I think that's, like, where most people, like, you know, forget, like, oh, we are still to kind of walk the line. Right. You know, we start attributing, like, well, look at what I did. Look at how I've done this. And look at this ministry that I led. Or look at how I, you know, shared Christ with others or how I helped people with the money that I made. But we forget that, you know, there's still a line to walk. And the enemy is a roaring lion seeking to kill, still and destroy. You know, yeah. and so I, I think a lot of the people, I mean, I don't know. It's just my opinion that the people who fall and fall hard they typically forgot they had an enemy, and they got complacent. Yeah. And once you get complacent, then things just creep in like, oh, no, that's okay. Oh, that's fine. No, I'm sure she wasn't flirting. You know, all yeah. of that. Well, there's all kinds of people like the higher you climb, the further you can fall too. Yes, absolutely. It's, yeah, and I'll go back to you brought pride month and just that pride, right? The, even the name pride, right? Pride comes before the fall, Proverbs, you know, says. And, you know, it's just blatant. It should be from a biblical standpoint very blatant mm-hmm. what we see right there. It's nothing new under the sun. And whether yes. it be Sodom and Moore, go all through it. But I, here's the problem. The problem is, and what this passage in Second Chronicles calls God's household to is, boy, before I get involved, right, speaking into pride months, um, as a believer and as a church, we better look inside. inside. We better yeah. make sure, are we pure? Mm-hmm. Are our marriages pure? Yeah. Uh, have, have we done the proper process of repentance through divorce? Yeah. Are single adults pure physically with one another? Are we obeying God's clear mm-hmm. commands of holiness and purity and how we treat one another in the mm-hmm. church? Yeah. Uh, and, and we haven't done that. Yeah. We haven't done that. Uh, and so... What happens is those out there in the world, they look back, and this is where the hypocrisy comes in. Yeah. And, and we don't have a powerful voice because they can't see, they, they see you know, hypocrisy. They see yeah. picking out different sins right, rather than this humility of, of a real desire to be righteous before God ourselves and to lean into the grace and forgiveness of God, right, yeah. to be transformed into a new creation. That's a great point, and it parallels back to you know, just the Pharisees back in the day exactly. and the pride they had in their position and their you know, goodness they think they had. I mean, yeah. And I mean, I think about like just Nehemiah, like when they read the scrolls after everything has been completed on the rebuilding of the wall, you know, just the people realized how far away they were from God. Like they had departed from God. They had departed from his customs. They had departed from relationship with him. He had always been there and that they needed to reconnect and reevaluate how they're living. And that circles back to the main point of this second Chronicles 714, which is are my, this prayer, Right. If my people will humble themselves, pray, seek my face, turn from their wicked ways, this all is mm-hmm. the only way this is going to happen is if God's people are willing to come under the conviction of the Holy Spirit. Yeah. Under the conviction of God is glorious and holy, and we are sinners. Yeah. And we lean into the gospel since we're New Testament believers, into the grace we have there. But we cannot hold on to this cheap grace in this therapeutic age, right? There has to be the fear of God restored, right, in a healthy, reverent yeah. way, as Hebrews tells us, right, um, chapter 12, to worship the Lord in, in reverence and yeah. awe. He's a consuming fire. Yeah. 
Um, so that has to be restored. There has to be again this this thing brought back to the church, which is uh, we come to church. I'm available. God speak to me, as David mm-hmm. said. Right, search my heart, God. Let me be right before you. Uh, bring me under conviction of your word, the things that I need to repent of, I need to change, and bring me under conviction of your Holy Spirit, the things I'm not doing that I need yes. to do. Right, make me more like you, and to stand. It says, right in Isaiah 66. Over, I mean, there's just consistent throughout the entire Bible, old and new, God, the one that he looks towards, the one he comes strong towards, is the one who is contrite and broken in spirit, trembles at his word. Yeah. Right. Where is the fear and trembling today? We have mm-hmm. a therapeutic, drink our little warm coffee, sit around, have a nice little, give me some things to make me feel good. That is not, yeah. right? Uh, you will find that nowhere in the Bible, right? As far as the household of God, our countenance before yeah. a holy God, right? Um, there should be great reverence when we understand the magnitude of what Christ has done for us, torn the veil, given us access to God. We should never... Uh, we take it for granted today, and, and, um, and that needs to be restored, just that fear, healthy fear of God and conviction under him. So we'll change, and that's yeah. true repentance. This cannot be carried out without true repentance, which means I'm open to conviction. Yeah. And I think – oh, sorry. Go ahead. No, no, go. I think pride in ministry too, like <clears throat> I've seen this in my own life where I, I find myself in a place where I put myself on a podium above the people that you know maybe I'm talking to that – you know, of good intentions, but putting yourself on this podium, I mean, like we can look at the story of Jonah. Um, you know, he thought he was too prideful, essentially. He thought he was too good for the people to know God to, for him to go. Um, and it was a breaking down, um, where he, you know, humbled himself enough. I, I think he still had some pride, but to where, you know, he was able to save those people. And as you said, they weren't sitting around with their tea, you know, right. You know, like, oh, right. thank you. you know, yeah. it, was, it was a sackcloth, you know, ashes, ashes. Nineveh is repentive. Right. Um, and so I think the perspective we need to keep in our head in this perspective, I have to keep reminding myself of is like, we're in the same boat, yeah. Jonah, the, the Nevites, they're essentially in the same boat, right? They, mm-hmm. they're yeah. both struggling with pride. They both have, the only difference is, you know, we do have the savior we have the answer and so i mean i don't think this is any pride in having that but just uh and and this brings us back to mm-hmm. the kings to king david who was the man after god's own heart that's so astonishing is here he's the king he has all the power in the world but he even his mess ups right even in the context of just great sin that that caused great like one of the passages for for lesson number two right was uh-huh was the census he took. It caused yes. a pestilence because of his sin. 70,000 people were wiped out, yeah. right? And he, and what made him, as you're saying, a godly leader was he took full responsibility to intercede, mm-hmm. to, to lay hold of, I've sinned for you, God, and you alone. Um, and so David models for us somebody who was not perfect, but who was very quick when the prophet hit him with, you're the man, yeah. is that he repented right away. He was open. David models for us among all the the quick reality of being under the conviction of God because he wanted to be right with God. Right? Yeah. That is a godly leader who shepherded. That's why David is a type of Christ who shepherded the people yes. with the fullness of his heart towards God. Right? Absolutely. And as you said, the problem in ministry today is, boy— where do we see? I mean, that's again the preacher. We should quake in our boots, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, in the sense of before we stand up and teach anything, whether it's a Bible study or a sermon or whatever, am I under the conviction? Because James three one says that lead teachers are held to a stricter judgment before mm-hmm. God. That is written to believers, 
the church. You're yeah. held to a stricter judgment, the bema seat of what you say, and are you living it? Are you under the conviction of it before you teach yeah. it? Um, and that has to be restored um, for sure today in his church because, yeah. boy, um, we're missing that for sure. And so when you think about like— And that know, brings us back, by the way, just full circle to circle. the to the, circle. Uh, the spiritual warfare. Yeah. The enemy, yeah. right, is doing everything he can do to take out leaders. And like we say, what happened with Solomon? You get com- or David, you get yeah. comfortable, and you pull back. You're not aware of the warfare, yeah. and before long, you become prideful or just comfortable, and those can go just together. Right? Yeah. yeah. I mean, when you think about it, like, you know, when you ask, you know, like, you know, because you talk a lot about, like, the therapeutic gospel. With the therapeutic gospel, would you say that it is, like, limiting its belief in what God can do? Sure, absolutely. So that way they you know, go for the therapy, they go for the counseling, but mm-hmm. yet instead of just coming and saying, okay, Lord, you can heal me. Lord, you can free me. Lord, you are. And we still and have so counseling. We still yeah. need counselors to, but the question is, what's the power? Where, what am I, yeah. is the primary thing, the steps, and am I leaning into more psychology uh-huh. than I am the gospel? Boy, yeah. we, I, I'm, I'm going to be as clear as I can on this, is we need to clean house on this. Yeah. The gospel is sufficient. If I'm a counselor, the primary thing I need to lead people to is bolster the gospel in their life, not bolster their self, mm-hmm. right, totally. with principles. Yeah. And uh, that has to be restored, right? And today. so that's a humility issue in the sense of, like, you know, like we can't get humble enough to say, like, oh, no, he's big enough. He's right. strong enough. Exactly. He's good enough. Right. He's powerful enough, and my trust is in him. Right. You know, instead, in our trust is in ourself and our own self-discovery at times. And a little side note on that is that uh, all through the Bible, humility usually almost always goes with, uh, and you mentioned it, Luke, already, the sackcloth and ashes, yes. the fasting. Fasting, is when, praying, And when he says, humbling. when my people humble themselves, specifically what was carried out there was a removing away from the fancy, comfortable things in life. Yeah. And at the core of it, uh, fasting, not eating anything. Mm-hmm. To put ourselves desperate before God. Yes. All right. And in a comfortable age, that's tough. We're, we're, we're pretty comfortable. <laughs> yeah. We're pretty comfortable. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I, I sure don't like fasting. But, uh, boy, it's necessary. Right? It is necessary. Yeah. Beautiful. Beautiful. All right. Well, hey, you heard it here first. No, you didn't hear it here first. But anyway, this has been an awesome Root Issues, this midweek jolt. We hope it gets you kind of thinking, whoa, was that a deep breath? Well, I would just say as people are listening to this, I think let's just end with maybe the question of somebody saying, well, how do I – I don't have zeal for God's house. Okay, I don't have zeal for God's house. Maybe I'm wavering. I don't have zeal for God himself. Mm -hmm. You know, Um, where do I I go from here? Where do I go? And my – and I'll – throw it to you guys but uh and i I said this on sunday um and i've seen it lived out in my family and everybody else i'd start here is by faith no matter where somebody's at i encourage you out there listening is get yourself plant yourself by faith in a local church somewhere that believes in the bible just with the faith that i'm putting myself there making a priority to be in god's house trusting god is going to meet me in that place with people around me faith friends and he's going to meet my heart right and going to give me right a And I'd say the people who've been abused, the people who've had bad, tough uh, um, uh, experiences, experiences in the church, in the church yeah. is yeah. don't let that push you away. That's spiritual warfare. Yeah. Is keep pressing up. Find a healthy church. Move on to another one. Mm-hmm. And because um, we we all will stand before God. It's His church, and and we yeah. have to leave some behind, right? Because of whatever. Um, but stay there. Stay put. Yeah. Trust God. He will move yeah. for sure. No, I mean that's just expectation. Yeah, like you know. Like, you know, what is your expectation level for God to move in your life, to be a part of your life, not just an aspect in your life, but to be steering and driving. Final thoughts, Luke. 
I think a lack for zeal of God, you know, uh-huh. that usually comes from, uh, and mostly this isn't on purpose. Like people don't understand that it's just happening, but they don't understand who their God is. Mm-hmm. Like you can't have respect and zeal for something you don't understand. And obviously a part of it is we can't fully understand it, but try yeah. and that will automatically bring about a, a reverence and a, an awe of who we yeah. are worshiping. It's yeah. good. Yeah. I mean, I think zeal, like when I think about it, like, like I'm only, I'm only, I'm only going for one thing. Well done, my good and faithful servant. You know, like if people applaud or clap or, you know, compensate or, or you know, give me out of boys here. Okay. That's cool. That's neat. Yeah. That's great. I appreciate it. You know, but man, really the main thing that's driving is like, man, I want to cross that line and know that I did everything that I could for him, for his kingdom here and how that affects my personal life to my family life, to my ministry life, you know, just kind of builds and grows. And it's just this expectation that God is good and he is for me. And so there's not really anything that's out of my reach, you know, but anyway, once again, thanks for listening to this Rudy Issues, this midweek jolt. We hope it just charged you with some thoughts for zeal for God, your involvement in the church and involvement in the kingdom, and how do you see God just working in and moving through your life. So thanks so much for tuning in. If you need to reach out and touch us, just hit us at rootissues at ccassman.com. And until next week, be blessed. Be blessed.